you know, every time you do something, if you're thinking you're going to hire a team in the in the future, and in general, I just think it makes you more organized, create a system for everything. And I think one of the things that we've done over, a really good job over at Till, not to suggest we haven't done a good job over at DK, but we have the benefit of all the lessons learned is that we have uh, standard operating procedures for a lot of our different systems. We have a lot of canned emails that we've had just from the start. And that just makes it really easy, one, to make sure that you're onboarding people in a uniform way, like kind of everybody you know sees the same sort of expectations that they need to see. Two, that people understand exactly what's expected of them. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Brands at Book Show, where we help creative service-based businesses build their brands and find more clients. I'm your host, Davey Jones. Krista is back on the podcast, and this week we are chatting about what we've learned over the past few years about building a team. Everything from the fears we had before hiring our first team members, to why we decided to primarily hire employees instead of contractors, and some tips that we have for the hiring process. We hope that you find these reflections helpful, especially if you're considering starting to grow a team yourself. Just a quick note before we get started, we are not lawyers, we are not accountants, and the information that we share in this podcast is not meant to be construed as legal, accounting, or any kind of professional advice. If you are considering hiring team members, we'd recommend reaching out to both a lawyer and an accountant to learn more about labor laws and the tax ramifications of hiring in your local area. Be sure to check out the show notes at davianchrista.com for the resources we mentioned during the episode, and we want to hear from you. Let us know what kind of content you'd like to see on the Brands at Book podcast as we move forward. To leave your feedback, just send us a DM on Instagram at davianchrista. Now, on to the episode. All right, we are back with another episode of the Brands at Book podcast after a little bit of a hiatus. But for a really good reason. By now, some of you have probably seen that we are expecting baby number two in October. And just like with Jack, I was super sick, spent most of the past two months in bed, and there's just no way that recording was going to be happening. Yeah. And I know you still don't, you don't feel great today and you're still recording. So I appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, and we've, we've released a little bit of content in the, in the meantime. And I think one of the reasons that we were able to release at least a little bit of content in the meantime is because we've been able to build a team. And so I think it's a perfect conversation to have because just, you know, this entire season, night and day different than when we were expecting Jack. I mean, last time it was just us. And so on the days where I was just way too sick to do anything, no work happened. And now we have several other people on our team who can keep work going even when I'm too sick to do anything. So I am so grateful for our designers and everybody on the team. Yeah, absolutely. So just, I think, night and day difference. I know for me, I mean, of course, 
if you're less stressed, then I'm less stressed. Probably <laughs> true in, in reverse too, for uh-huh. sure. So, but anyways, excited to get back to recording and even better, you know, it's starting to get warm out, you know, even though we've had maybe a few chilly days here and there, spring has sprung. So excited about warm weather and the summertime. Davey's one of those people who loves 90 degree days more than like a 65 degree day. 60, anything <laughs> less than 70 is not warm. One of our neighbors that I run with, Buddy, a good friend of ours, he's always, he's always giving me grief because he'll be like, oh, it'll be 65, no humidity, you know, and he'll be like, it's a perfect day. And I'm like, nah, you know, 10 more degrees, add a little humidity. You know, I want the sun out. I want to feel, uh, you know, I want to feel the sun. <laughs> Ugh, you're crazy. <laughs> anyways, anyways. Um, so we are talking about really, I, I'd say, so we have a blog post that's going, going live with this podcast episode on how to hire a team. And I think that's more of a, of a linear walkthrough you know, just our thoughts on going about and building a team. Whereas the podcast episode, a little bit of that, also just a little bit of our reflections on building a team and what we've learned over the past two years or so. So we've built a team over at Davy and Krista, and we're about, what, seven people strong about. And then we've built a team over at Till Agency as well. So I'll be talking a little bit about our experience there and uh, maybe contrasting it a little, a little bit with what we've done over at Davy and Krista. But in the team over at Till is over 10 people. So we've learned quite a bit, I think, over the last two years. I'm excited to, to talk about it because really when we're talking about scaling a service-based business, one of the primary ways that, that we're able to do that is through hiring people and building a team. You know, Unlike if you're just selling a digital product, building a team might be key for scaling because as you sell more of your digital product, maybe you have to bring on support people or you know whatnot. But really, if you're a service-based business, you're a photographer, let's say, then building a team of associates is probably going to be one of the primary ways that you would scale your business, you know, or at least one way that you would scale your business. And before we grew our team, we had a lot of fears about growing our team. So what if we didn't have enough work to support them? What if a team member ended up not being a good fit? Would our clients and customers want to work with anybody besides us? And all of those are real fears, but I think we've learned a lot through the process that maybe they didn't need to be as fearful as we thought made them. Yeah, I think we waited a long time to bring bring somebody (laughs) on. You know, we were probably ready to bring somebody on earlier than we did. And we just let some of these fears stop us. So hopefully just hearing that, maybe you're in in a similar spot, but those are real fears. And those are things that we need to sit down and talk about and put a plan together before actually going going about and hiring somebody. So a few things that we did, and feel free to just jump in. But one of the things that we did was have a cash reserve in our business that was put aside specifically to pay this person for about six months, even if they brought in no revenue. We do that anyways. We try to have six months of expenses. We're big Dave Ramsey fans. But we had specific amounts even beyond that set set aside for hiring for this person. Our hiring yeah. this person because we knew that whoever we brought on probably wasn't going to jump right in and be doing quite as much work as I was or you were. And so we wanted to give them time to settle in and learn our processes, learn our design styles, figure out what their talents were and how to divide up different tasks before before we ran out of funds. Yeah. And we've brought on, we we have a great team. Everybody on our team, super oh, yeah. talented. We love you know? our team so Might much. Might be a little biased, but <laughs> you know. So, but with that said, when you bring on somebody new, even if they are super talented, yes, they might be able to jump in at certain things you know, right away, but there's still a lot that they're likely need to learn from 
really just around your systems even and how and how work's expected to be done because even if you get close to the same result at the end of the day, right. you know, you probably want work done in a certain way to keep you and the team organized. So there is this period of time that I think is longer than people expect it to be of training where, you know, maybe it feels like not less work when you bring on somebody. Yeah, it feels, yeah, like, it more feels like more first. work. And so <laughs> I think it's just important to kind of set yourself up with that expectation before diving into it. So one was putting together a cash reserve. And the second one was saying, hey, listen, you know, we're going to really commit to this for like six months. All right. In the first month, we made less, you know, or, you know, it was a, it was not a, a net positive, right. Um, in bringing somebody on. And that's okay. Because one, until you bring somebody on, you can't scale to that capacity, right? Or at least we didn't. And then two, so we we knew that once we brought people on, that we could scale up our work appropriately, but we weren't ready to do that right when we brought somebody on. One, because it was the first time we had brought somebody on. And we had we put a lot of time towards training. Yep, absolutely. And we're glad ultimately that we did because we were going into our busy season and that was, you know, I, I, intentional too. We kind of felt like, okay, we're going into our busy season of the year. So we think we would have, you know, instead of maybe creating a wait list like we normally would, we would be able to, you know, scale up our capacity real quick. But point being there is we really committed to it for a certain amount of time and gave ourselves maybe more time than we thought we needed because we didn't want one to be stressed ourselves. And it's not good for the person you hire to bring them on and be like, hey, listen, you, you got to make this work in the next 30 days or you know, you're know, you out right. or something like that. We should also mention that we hire employees. We don't typically hire subcontractors. So when we decided to bring people on, we knew we wanted a long-term commitment. So that was another reason why we had six months and why we put so much time into training. And we'll get into that in a, in a second here as we talk about contractors versus employees. But yeah, as Chris has said, we were bringing on an employee. And so it was somebody who, who was expecting a certain amount of work from us on a consistent basis. Unlike a contractor who, you know, basically when you have the work, you can send it over, but there's no obligation to send over work. And there's no obligation on their part to accept the work, right? So that was a little bit as well. But anyways, I mean, maybe your experience in some of those fears. So maybe hearing about our experience helps on that front. I think at the end of the day, we just, we really thought through, okay, were we able to do this from a financial perspective? And were we able to do this from a work capacity perspective? Like, did we think we could either build up to that capacity or that we currently had that capacity and need somebody to step in? And the answer was yes. And so we decided, you know, there's fears around a lot of decisions in business. So try not to let those, those rule us. But anyways, you might be asking yourself when you should hire somebody. So maybe you can speak to why we decided to hire somebody when we did. <laughs> well, we were in the midst of having, we, I mean, we had just had Jack. We were four months into the new parent process and I was completely overwhelmed. I knew that I wanted to not work quite as much as I had before. I'd probably been working like 50 hours a week before Jack came along. And so I knew that that wasn't going to be feasible with a newborn and without, like we didn't want to put him in full-time childcare. Um, and at that point we didn't have any childcare. And so we had a lot of design projects. And then we also had a plan for what we were going to do once we brought people on that would allow us to scale. So we knew that if somebody came on, we could put a lot more time into different products and really work on our shop. And that would help us to scale. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I think just from a work-life perspective too, one of the things that 
we should mention that people already know. I think if you've listened to the podcast, is I'm not a designer. Chris is a designer. So Krista fulfilled at that point all of our client work. You know, if it was designed, she had to do it. And if she was sick, you know, when she was pregnant and sick, you know, just talking about this season where you know, for the last month and a half, you were basically in bed. And that's how it was with Jack too, you know, so. I still worked, just not nearly as much. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But you, you know, and you don't want to feel that pressure. If you are so sick, you have to be in bed and it's hard to move, you know. But anyway, so there's all sorts of reasons like why we hired when we did. But then it also, I think one of the points that you hit on, which I think was important to think about is even though we weren't necessarily thinking, oh, we want to scale our custom side of the business as much as we possibly could. We did want to scale the product side of our business so people can come buy our templates and you know customize themselves and launch them themselves. But you needed the time to actually be able to work on that product. So that was one of the other reasons why we hired somebody as well. Okay. Do you want to go back to employees versus contractors? Yeah, and, and you know, <laughs> I'm we not, touched on that, but we didn't elaborate it. Yeah, so one of the things when you're when you're considering hiring somebody, you have to think about the relationship you have with that person. So one of the things I want to say at the outset is we are not lawyers, we are not accountants. So there are legal and tax accounting rep, um, ramifications. Ramifications. Thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh, for for hiring, you know, an employee or a contractor. So you're going to want to talk to somebody who is qualified to talk about those things before you do and that. And we talked to both an accountant and an attorney. Especially because we are hiring people out of state. Yeah, and it, and it varies from state to state. Mm -hmm. So that's not to add another fear. I think it was... Right. It sounds more overwhelming than it actually was. Our accountant, it was really easy for him to look up the different regulations for each state. He helped us. You technically have to file your business in each state, but it's not as overwhelming again. He took, yeah, he helped he us helped take us care with that. of those things. And then if you have a payroll system, like we use Gusto, they have directions for every single state on how to set yourself up there and they make it really easy too. Yeah. And we use Gusto for payroll for both uh, Till and Davey and Krista. And it's a pretty scalable system in that it's not super, super expensive to use to start. And then it just like kind of nicely scales as your, the price goes up a little bit as you add team members, right? So that made sense for us to use. But anyways, talk to talk to a lawyer, talk to an accountant on the tax side of things. Of course, we talked to our accountant on the payroll side of things. We talked to our accountant on the lawyer side of things. We were mostly concerned with either a contractor agreement or an employment agreement. And so we had a lawyer come up with our employment agreement. And I think it's important to have an employment agreement, especially if you're going the employer route. I mean, it's important to have a contractor agreement as well. Some sort of agreement is important is the bottom line in order to establish expectations, both that the expectations that your employer or contractor can have of you and the expectations you can have of them as well. And we also spell out different benefits in our con in our agreement and and so forth. So Yeah, absolutely. So one of the reasons, you know, as I was thinking about why we went the employee route, and we, we had a lot of conversations about this because there is less pressure in going the contractor route. And so for, you know, if you do have some of these fears we talked about in the beginning, the contractor route might make sense because with a contractor, there's not necessarily an expectation that you'll be sending over a certain amount of work. You know, that that relationship is a little bit more loose than the employee-employer relationship. And I don't want to go into the specific differences between the two because, like I said, I'm not a lawyer. But I think one of the things that sort of just summarizes why we went with the employee route was just expectations, right? You can have clear expectations for when work is to be done and how work is to be done than you can if you have a contractor. With contractors, typically it's can't tell them how they're going to do their work. They have something they have to deliver. And as long as they deliver that, that's what they're supposed to do, right? Same thing with when they're supposed to work. You know, they might have a deadline, 
but that doesn't mean that they're going to be available between the hours of nine to five when your business is typically open. We also, team camaraderie is important to us because especially for a design project, most members of our team are touching that project in some way. And so we knew that long-term we wanted people who could become experts in our niche and who were experts in our business and how we launched websites. And we really wanted to invest in our team. And I think that you don't really get quite as much commitment from a contractor as you do an employee. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't, I don't think you have that same level of buy-in and especially people working with us, you know, and wondering when we bring on a client, we want them to know that we are actually as a team fulfilling their services, Right. that it's not being outsourced to like Fiverr or something like that, right? We don't want to give this impression that we're just bringing all these contractors to complete their work and then we're just acting as sort of like a general contractor because that's not how we work, right? Like you're uh, managing every single project, everybody on the team, especially if they're doing both brand and website design Mm -hmm. is likely going to touch or work on that project at some point, you know, and that's what we wanted to communicate back to our clients. So one of the reasons that we decided to go with employees versus contractors, like you said, I think the biggest things too were like team culture, camaraderie, and then also being able to provide some benefits that don't really make sense to provide for... Like paid time off. Why would you give that to a contractor? Yeah, but, or you know, even profit sharing, something like that. Or edu- we have an education fund for our team members. So things like that you probably wouldn't do for a contractor. Yeah. I guess you. it's not that you couldn't. You I could. don't know. But again, talk to, <laughs> talk to a lawyer account. So those are some of the things that we were thinking through when we decided to hire an employee versus a contractor. So, and then both for Davey and Krista and Till, and and really that's been our approach for Till as well. Mm -hmm. Most of the people who are working over at Till are, you know, employees. We do have a few contractors. Typically, one of the things that we're thinking through as well is, I guess, like, is that person going to be fulfilling client services? Mm -hmm. Typically, if they're fulfilling client services at all, we're bringing on an employee. Whereas, you know, some of the contractors we're working with, especially over at Till, maybe they're doing stuff specifically for the Till team or the Till marketing, let's say, versus fulfilling client services. At Davey and Krista, we've also had contractors before for like Pinterest, for copywriting, copywriting, Mm -hmm. like video editing, stuff like that, that would be more on like a project basis. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the questions that we often get to is who, who someone should hire first. Yeah. And I I think that's interesting because it's going to be so different for every business. We decided to hire two designers first, a website designer and a brand designer. But I know that if you are not maybe providing as much client work as we do, it might make more sense to hire an administrative assistant. Or if you're an overwhelmed photographer, it might make more sense to hire an editor first. Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the things that you can do is just and what we did was write down all of the things that we needed help with and then really kind of prioritize, okay, what was most necessary at the time? And really the deciding factor for us, as I suggested at the beginning of this episode, was I'm not a designer. <laughs> so well, we it also, really and like what could what could only I do at the time? And what could we train other people to do? And so there are plenty of other people who are talented designers, could we teach them how to work the way that we do and then serve our clients better because there's more heads on a project? Yeah, absolutely. And it keeps everybody fresher too from Mm -hmm. a creative perspective. Yeah. But again, I mean, I think that also goes back to the fact that really all of our client services were being filled by you. So that's a lot of pressure for one person. So that's why we went the designer route. I think maybe if I was a designer, (laughs) that it would have been different, right? You're laughing because you can't even imagine me as a designer. Just, you're so offensive. (laughs) 
everything would be red, so red. like colorful and bold <laughs> and the fonts would be what's massive wrong with colorful and, and, and bold boring. and fonts you know people like to be able to read what's on the screen i think if you go to our website <laughs> and you're thinking to yourself oh man this is easy to read it's easy to read because of me i keep if it was because- i keep making them bigger as i get older i realize and I wear glasses too. I feel like as I get older, I realize, wow, the fonts on that are way too tiny. Like they yeah. need to come up. So, well, if you just looked at, <laughs> if you just listened to me a little bit earlier, anyways, you just over, she's over there laughing at just the idea of me being a designer. But if I was, then maybe we would have hired like a marketing person or an mm-hmm. admin first, right? Because we wouldn't have felt that pressure of like, okay, literally every job that comes in has to be fulfilled by you. Right. So that's what we did. But since then, we've hired administrative assistants. You might be thinking to yourself, like, oh, contracts, invoices, emails, all those are super easy to do. Scheduling, scheduling, workflow stuff. I would say it's not that it's super complicated necessarily, but I will say that when my administrative assistant is out, like if she's taking a day off or she's sick or on vacation or whatever it might be, I realize it very quickly. (laughs) You know, like all of a sudden it becomes very apparent exactly how much I don't, you know, have to respond to or manage on a given daily basis. So I'm very grateful for Kate and formerly Emily. Uh, Emily. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's how we would approach it. That's how we approached it anyways. Right. Um, and since we brought on Renee for support and yeah. So writing job descriptions and maybe we should talk about the actual hiring process. Yeah, absolutely. So what we did, we created a list of, of you know, we figured out who we were going to hire and then we went about writing the job description. And when we wrote the job description, we took a lot from that initial list that we put together mm-hmm. on what sorts of things that person would be doing. So we want to make sure that there isn't like people get a sense for, okay, what would I be doing on a day-to-day basis? Like what task would be involved there? And then we also included a lot about just working with us as a team. So our work style, the fact that we're remote, the fact that people have a lot of responsibility on their own. So if they needed a lot of handholding, we might not be the best fit yeah, for them. Yeah. And that's always, I mean, just as an interesting side note when it comes to building a team, I think that when you bring somebody on, you might have that same sense. Like you don't want necessarily, you probably don't want somebody who needs to be, it needs to be spelled out. Everything needs to be spelled out. Right. Right. Like you probably, most people are probably looking for go-getters, you know, people right. who are going to maybe first try to figure it out on their own and then mm-hmm. ask a bunch of questions. With that said, I, I think the flip side of the coin is, especially with a remote team, like you do need to over communicate. You know, like you you want to make sure that you're not just assuming that people know exactly what to. Right. What we to record do. an insane amount of Loom videos every day for feedback, for just like new projects to explain what we're doing. So yeah, especially because everybody's remote, everyone's all over the country. And our team has kind of flexible design hours. So they're not we're not always working at the same time as other people. Yeah. And over over on the till side of things, one thing that I found helpful is that I meet with everybody from the team at least once a month, all right, or at least the, the creative team once a month. And I think just making that time is important. But anyways, we got sidetracked from talking about job descriptions. <laughs> so day-to-day tasks, but then also qualifications, you know, like what, what sort of qualifications should this person have? We're pretty laid back, maybe isn't the isn't the right word when it comes to qualifications? We look at them because like if we're hiring a designer, you should know how to use the Adobe suite. But if you're a really talented website designer and you haven't used Sketch yet, that's okay because a lot of things can be taught. Yeah. So I guess what I mean by that is it's not like we're looking for a four-year degree in right. uh, in design or something like that. I right? actually don't know what any of our 
I don't remember what everyone on our team has. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and it, so that kind of stuff doesn't matter to us. I mean, of course, when it comes to a position like brand and website design, people need technical skills. Right. With that said, if they don't know, like Sketch is the art design platform of choice, right? And for so, websites. For yeah. websites, yeah. So if somebody doesn't know Sketch, like you said, we'll train them on that mm-hmm. if they're a great designer, right? We're also going to weight team fit too right. in uh, a little bit more heavy, like you know, reliability uh, and trustworthiness are mm-hmm. two things that are really important to us. And so if we can find somebody who's reliable and trustworthy, even if we maybe we have to train them up a little bit on the technical side of things, right. we're going to do that. And of course, how much we weigh those are different on for different jobs, right? For like right. the admin assistant, you can pretty much train anybody to respond to an email or manage a calendar, right? And so we're going to weight trustworthiness and reliability super heavily on that. On, mm-hmm. For something like that position, because that person has access to everything, right. <laughs> you know, all of our emails, all of our calendars, you know. Or is so. like for design, those are definitely really important. But you also need to have some design skills. Yeah, you so. can't. You can't be starting from scratch. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, anyways, I hope that's helpful in terms of like writing a job description and putting a listing together. You can see just an example of what our you know, listings look like if you go to davianchrista.com forward slash careers. We have one open right now. Yeah, we actually have a listing open for a brand designer right now. So you'll notice that there's some information about us as a company and then exactly what we're hoping to see, what that person can expect to do on a day-to-day basis, and then directions for going about and applying. We also pay very much attention to who follows directions and who responds to emails quickly. And how they respond and if they seem to know us. We've gotten plenty of applications before where I don't know how they came across it. Somebody must have forwarded it to them, but they, they seem to have no no idea who we are or what we do or the kind of people and don't we get serve. Me wrong, you know, if we don't ex- like, we, we're not saying that from the perspective of, oh, how dare they not know us? Like, <laughs> That's not what if, we're saying. I feel like if you're applying for a job, you should probably read the about page. Yeah. You want to before. demonstrate that you're, that it's not random. Yeah. Like it's just like uh, some, you know, one of my friends, like, emailed this to me and I just thought I'd fill it out. Yeah. And that's the vibe that we get from, from some. people, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, for us, it's really important. Like we said, team camaraderie is super important. So we want people to feel like they're going to fit with the rest of right. us. And feel excited about, you know, yeah. potentially being part of the team, you know? So, but then also just emailing us back and we're not, it's nothing crazy, you know, but like within a business day or so, yeah. but occasionally people won't email us back for like a week. And we're like, and we've already like, had the interviews and you missed the process. Sure. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's happened before too, but just also just like, okay, well, you know, are you really interested in this position right. at that point? So paying attention to those sorts of things. Things. Even when it comes to the interview process, I mean, one episode that's worth checking out on building a team is an episode I did with Nancy Ray. And that was, I don't know, within the first 50 episodes, probably. So a while back now. Yeah, because Nancy has a really in-depth process. She follows Dave Ramsey's process and she does seven interviews for each yeah, team member. Something like that. And the last one, I think, is in person. And I will say, though, I think interviewing people more than you think you should is important. Right. Anybody can fake it for... 30 minutes. So at Dave and Krista, you do something similar Tell typically one of us does an interview with someone or we'll do like a round of people. Uh-huh. And then like if, if I go first and maybe you would go second and you would interview the people who I think you should talk to. And then from there, when we don't talk about it at all beforehand, we both want to kind of come into it blind and make our own impressions. And then from there, we'll interview people together. Yeah, absolutely. So that way... Too. I mean, you know, people can have a bad day and right. not be reflective of their ability 
you know, to hold that position. So mm -hmm. it's kind of nice because if that person does have a bad day, maybe in their interview with me, but Chris is like, oh no, they were great. And I thought this and that, you know, so they'll likely get another interview. Right. And we we ask different questions. We don't talk about what questions we're going to ask either. And so I think that we just get different things out of people. Like I've interviewed people who for positions at Dave and Krista that I actually thought would be a better fit for a different position at Till. And so it's interesting from that perspective, like what we each pick up. Yeah. And we found some people at Till from that. Mm -hmm. But anyways, and, and at Till, we do something similar where typically each of the partners is going to have an interview individually. Then we'll talk about that and, you know, we'll bring in anybody, you know, who we, the three of us agree, agree on again for another two interviews. So we've just found that to be super helpful. Thankfully had that episode with, uh, conducted that interview with Nancy Ray prior to hiring our first person. And so I think that's served as well because we haven't had a lot of turnover, which is no, great. I mean, most of the turnover has been for babies or just like regular life kind of stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we've had a lot of good luck Knock on going wood. that route. Yeah, that's right. No Knock one on leave wood. us. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think that's a pretty good overview. There are a few other questions that we ask people just in our Facebook group, you know, as we were putting the, or as we're getting ready to write this blog post and, and record this interview, or I'm sorry, this episode. Maybe we could go through those real quick. Mm -hmm. So one question was, what are some tips for onboarding an employee? And we talked a little bit about this throughout. Yeah. One, systematize everything. You know, every time you do something, if you're if you're thinking you're going to hire a team in the in the future, so and in general, I just think it's it makes you more organized. Create a system for everything. And I think one of the things that we've done over a really good job over at Till, not to suggest we haven't done a good job over at DK, but we have the benefit. Of, you started much later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we have the benefit of all the lessons learned yeah. um, is that we have uh, standard operating procedures for a lot of our different systems. We have right. a lot of canned emails that we've had just from the start, you know, and that just makes it really easy. One, to make sure that you're onboarding people in a uniform way, like kind of everybody, you know, sees the same sort of expectations that they need to see as you onboard them. And then Two, that people understand exactly what's expected of them. Because I think that I'm not as good at this, I think, as you are, uh, Krista. You do a very good job of recording the Loom video, getting that sent over, really explaining your expectations. Mm -hmm. I sometimes fall in the trap of, oh, yeah, that per you know, I'm sure they're fine. Like They, they, they understand what they he need to do. He does this to me. So. <laughs> yeah. Really, I'm just saying when that. When Davey yeah. assigns me a project... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, like I said, you do a better job of that than I do. And I think that's one thing I really want to emphasize to people is like training takes maybe a little bit longer than you think it's going to take. And just because you have to spell things out in the beginning doesn't mean that that person is not a good fit. Oh, yeah. You know, no. like people, I think it's so much better when people really understand expectations. That's different, I think, too, than micromanaging. We give people a lot of flexibility, but at the same time, we want to make sure that everybody understands what success looks like in right. a given task. Do you have employees and contractors sign contracts for each project? So I'm going to assume that this is maybe coming from a photographer who's hiring a second photographer, maybe a different one for each wedding. Yeah. In that case, I would say, yes, you probably, each project is unique. Somebody may not be with you from wedding to wedding unless you have like a commitment from them that they'll be with you all season. In which case, if that, I would probably just do one contract. But if you know that like you have Davey with you on two Saturdays in a row and then the next Saturday you have me with you, you'd probably want a different contract for each or different agreement for each wedding. Yeah. And this is one of those things you want. You probably want a lawyer to create a contractor agreement or employment agreement right. because of course, if 
this is a second photographer and he or she is an employee, then of course, typically you just have them sign an employment agreement and then Mm -hmm. they work for you. So there's no reason that I could think of why they need to sign an agreement each and every session from there on out. Right. With a contractor though, like Krista said, I I would think you could put together a contractor agreement with somebody that's more long-term. But if you don't, then I would think you would also want to make sure that you have a contractor agreement in place or some sort of agreement in place for each individual date or session or or project. So, or you know, if you're a web designer, for instance, and you're using an associate designer, then like I said, that's not something we do. But I would assume that you would want you know to outline the scope of each project. Right. So, how do you continue to market yourself while also marketing their collections? So, uh, this is probably somebody who has associates. Yep, it's probably another photographer. I would guess. Yeah. Yeah. And there are a few different ways that you can do this. Yeah, like you said, there are a few different ways that you can do this. I would say one. Not worrying too much about marketing their their collections, right. you know. So, for instance, like let's say you are a, just a solopreneur, you're a photographer, you are shooting all your own weddings, and you decide, okay, I'm getting so much, so many requests for work that I can't take them all, and maybe I'm getting requests for work that are a little bit below my typical price point or something like that. In that case, if you were to bring on associates, you could still, you know, just focus on marketing yourself or your business rather, and then when inquiries come in, you can kind of funnel them to the right spot. If somebody indicates that maybe their budget is a little bit lower than what it would cost to have you specifically come out and shoot that wedding, then you can say, hey, you know, my associates are available. This is their, these are their collections. These are examples of their past work. Let me know if you want, want me to set up a call and how you handle it from there. It would be, you know, on a business to business basis. But I would really focus just on, on marketing your your business, especially if they're part of your brand. And Abby Jew, who's been on the podcast, she does this. She shoots and then Lisa also shoots like under her. When you go on Abby Jew's Instagram, she'll say if it was shot by Abby or if it was shot by Lisa, but it's all seamless and you can't tell. And she's, they're just marketing the business. They're not marketing one over the other. Yeah, absolutely. And then you also have I believe, I don't know if Erin Youngren was on our podcast or we were on her podcast or both. You might have done both. Yeah, it was both. Sorry. <laughs> We've done a few different interviews with with each other. So just trying to keep them straight. But at least in one of those interviews, it was, she talked like she talked a little bit about their business model where they have the Youngrens, which is their brand. Right. Then they have their associate brand, which is a, a whole different brand that they market. It's Clothing like running. Ken. Yeah, that they run. It's, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how the business is set up, but I, it's marketed as a different business, essentially. Yeah, there's several different photographers within that. Yep. And then they have their commercial brand. So the, how they do that is a little bit different, but still they're just focusing on, they have a whole different brand for their associates and they, they do a good job of marketing that, that right. business. What have been the best tasks that you've handed off to people? Oh, there's so many. I mean, for me specifically, uh, podcast email, editing. podcast <laughs> editing. I mean, anything that's going to take me a long time that, especially if it's if it takes longer than it should, you know, like podcast editing, video editing, those things that, you know, if I have to listen to myself, like if I have to listen to a podcast episode that I just recorded, I want to correct every little thing. Yeah. You're such a perfectionist. <laughs> and it's it's ironic, right? Because I'm not perfect. <laughs> I really? guess no one is, but uh, <laughs> but I'm not like, you know. Anyways, point being is it would take me forever to edit my own podcast. So it's best that I just send it off. Somebody else edits them. And basically that's... And then I have Christy listen to them if she didn't record with me. You know, as long as she gives me the thumbs up, I just trust that, you know, that was good enough. So... 
For me, just having more design help because it means that I don't have to do every single element all by myself. And, and the, stay fresh. And stay fresh, yeah, so that the team can work collectively. So Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just been such a, yeah, we really do have such a great team. What are the biggest pain points or challenges in hiring a team? Yeah, I mean, I think we've had mostly smooth experiences, which is great. Mm -hmm. I would say training takes a little bit longer than people expect. I've already said that. Yeah. And um, yeah, what about what about for you? Yeah, I think just that training takes longer. And it took a little bit of time for us to figure out the best way to communicate with people. So discovering Loom and figuring out how to send a video with our feedback saves everybody so much time as opposed to like trying to type out every correction in a list that is hard for people to understand sometimes. I'd also say that team size matters too because at different team sizes, mm -hmm. y there's there's different systems that, that need to be put in place and right. others that no longer work. So for Till, I think we're big enough or we're at a point where really I need to make sure that I'm meeting with people individually because our group calls are so big that you're not hearing from everybody individually. Like over at DK, we spend time, you know, each person gets to share a little bit of, you know, we get to hear about what's going on in people's lives on a weekly basis. And we also talk to, I probably talk to everybody every day yeah, because absolutely. we're smaller. So. Sure. And whereas, whereas at Till, we're big enough where it's like, especially when we have different sides of the business. So I might not talk to one of our team members who's working on other stuff mm -hmm. for the entire month if I didn't make time to do that. Right. You know? So that's also something to be cognizant of is how different systems you put in place to really connect with your team members, scale or don't scale. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, that's it. I think that if you have any other questions about hiring, definitely check out the blog post. There might be a little bit more different information in there. And then, of course, drop those questions in really, you know, wherever we're sharing this post. So the right. blog, um, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. And we'll make sure that we get back to you on those or send you a resource if we have it. So, yeah. Thanks for recording with me, even though you're not feeling great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for tuning in to the Brands That Book Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes. For show notes and other resources, head on over to deviancrista.com.